0: wait a second hold on we got to talk about our sponsors who are awesome and we thank you so much for supporting them and If you guys are looking for some sort of service that's a part of this, definitely reach out to them. They are awesome and they're great people. We wouldn't want to partner with them for this podcast if they weren't. The first is Supercolor, the world's best heat transfer. They empower professional printers, clothing brands, brokers, crafters, and entrepreneurs. They're super fast, super easy. They are super color. We did a really cool tour of their new facility. And I'm pumped to be able to share that. They've been very private about everything, um, but they wanted to come out in the open pretty soon. We're gonna film it. Second up, Multicraft. Have you heard of Multicraft underscore daddy on Instagram? If you need ink supplies or daddy, Multicraft screens printing and digital supplies for over 50 years. Providing you with the top brands at competitive prices, just make sure to mention the Printabo Podcast and you'll get an extra 10% off your first order. Next up, EasyWay. You shouldn't be spending all day cleaning dirty screens. EasyWay's line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. Last but not least, GraphX Source specializes in providing high quality production ready art and dedicated staffing solutions for your decorators around the world. There's another long blurb here, but what I'll say is they're awesome. They plug it to Printavo and they can be able to take your art, suck it down, upload all the production art. And so you can pull that onto your DTS or CTS or just print out film and be able to get into production faster. They also could do things like mock-ups and order entry solutions, GraphX source. Thank you, everybody. Let's jump on in. Hey, producers, welcome back to the podcast. We've got myself, Bruce from Printal. We've got yourself, Stephen Fair, got a Campus Inc. And we've got a, uh, a different episode. Actually, kind of fun because we haven't just been able to catch up on a lot of stuff because we've had some awesome guests. But this is now. Well, this is now. Do you want to talk about I just, what just happened to your laptop? Uh, my stupid microphone
1: just dropped on the touch bar of my Mac and shattered it.
0: <laughs> Guess it's time for a new computer. You know, it's funny. They uh, they also just, like the newer laptops, don't have that touch bar on them, too. Wait, really? They got rid of it because people said they didn't use it any. Uh, or it wasn't useful so they got rid of it and they added a lot of old ports back like there's an SD card port <clears throat> there's multiple ports there's a um, there's a different charger of course because Apple wants us to buy new chargers again I sent Chris a photo so he could pop it up on the screen of the sad touch bar.
1: oh of my cracked MacBook and this yeah this little thing hit perfectly happy Wednesday <laughs> <laughs> anyways how are you doing Bruce yeah.
0: Been good we're actually we, I'm spending so much time trying to reorganize you know like how you go back in and try to reorganize a process I'm doing that in sales and success now and so uh two nights ago I created this big long diagram of how our flow goes from each of our SDRs which is people like qualifying leads to the people doing demos, to um, what happens to success in a handoff, um, and then all the KPIs for every role. So then I can list those out and then try to get the KPIs for each role, which is always hard to get the data. But what what was I opening about that? Um, I think it was just that, and this isn't the team's fault, but not everybody knew what numbers they were focused on to improve. And or just a number. Right. Um, and so people were doing their job to the best of their ability, but like they if if I were to say, what's the number one thing that you're focused on improving every day? Like, what is a conversion rate or the dollar sold or this or that? And they, they we just weren't sure. And again, it's not their fault, it's our fault for on the manager side to for not being clear about that. And so I'm trying to create mm-hmm. one dashboard that way in the weeklies, we review this number and then, you know, we look at it on a monthly basis to add up to our annual goals. So, so everybody's yeah. That's,
1: that's interesting. We had Ryan Kasperian come back for a couple days Hot and we started good, 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 good. Every time he comes back, it's like bar rescue. I feel
0: like, I feel like you've had him a couple times. <laughs>
1: Uh, he's come once and then he came for two more days, um, for the kind of like second, second runaround. And we're really trying to like measure what matters. And, uh, he literally printed out stuff on a clipboard and was like, until you figure it out, here's 20 pages and you can do it by hand. And I was like, okay, are you sure? Like, you know, I don't know when people start to say like, just track stuff down with pencil and paper. And sure enough, um... We've been tracking, you know, impression time and stuff like that for the last like month just by doing it by hand. Um, and I think it took him telling us it's OK to do it by hand to actually start doing it. Because when someone says the words write stuff down by hand, I freak out. I'm like, there's there's no way, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, I so I don't know. Pencil. You know, that's interesting. Uh, there I I was one pencil. thing I. <laughs> yeah, I. So I studied process management in college. And one of the few things that I remember was that you can't use tech to fix a broken process and you can't Mm. try to make a, like a process efficient until it actually just works like with anything. And it, that's literally what Ryan's doing in the most simplistic, like realistic way possible, uh, And I think you and I are probably similar in that we'll try to get a tool or like wanna find something or buy something to help do it right away, but versus just like, I don't know, here's an Excel sheet, you know, just start until it doesn't work anymore and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, and I think like the biggest of factories, like I think we think that it's daunting to have your employees track numbers, but in like other factories or other companies or other big organizations, Employees are required to track their own yeah. stats and their own data and stuff. So, any, I
0: think that did you find anything interesting? Like I, anything
1: I've been up? a little bit, um, I've kind of let our leadership team work with Ryan. And I've just mm-hmm. sometimes I realize that if I'm too involved, uh, that could take away from what he's trying to do with them. Um, and so, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm kind of like letting them doing it. I see it and I enjoy watching it but I'm just yeah. letting them like work on it and then come back to me um, and, and then kind of go from there. So what, we're working on your, that.
0: What's <laughs> your thought process there of like uh, with Ryan, like how does that work with coaches that you bring in? Is it a monthly thing or a quarterly thing or is this more of a one-time project you want to help with?
1: Uh, it's more project based, uh, but the project has a beginning and an end that's more than just him coming in. So when you engage with Ryan or any kind of coach, there's like pre-work, there's them on site, and then there's postwork. And so part of our engagement with Ryan is is a couple check-ins, you know, 30 days out, 60 days out afterwards, so mm-hmm. that there's some continuity, you know. And so what we've decided or what I've decided is I'm gonna take, you know, the salary of, of an employee, 40 to 50 grand, and invest that into coaching, consulting, teaching, training anything, um, to that matter. And just saying like one, one employee's salary for the year is going to be invested in education. Um, and so we, we just worked on a program where if an employee takes a 10 hour course, like 10 hours of Udemy classes or something, they can get either a thousand dollar raise for the year or a thousand dollar bonus. Um, and so just like opening it up to let them learn and, like let them embrace different things they want to do. I've had employees say, I want to take a Photoshop masterclass. I've had employees say, I want to take an Excel masterclass. Um, Is everyone going to do it all the time? No, but we should reward good learning, good education, all that good stuff. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I just see like other big companies just like pouring a lot into their employees, like continuing to learn, you know? Um, that's a but, so. that's a
0: really good way of looking at it from a cost perspective, too, because it almost forces you to find stuff to want to spend or to encourage people.
1: Well, if it makes us, you know, if, if every time we learn something, <clears throat> it makes us more efficient and those efficiencies are, you know, 10 percent per employee or 5 percent employee, that's going to make up the cost of probably hiring a redundant employee to do something, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, it's it's one of those things where I'd rather invest in ourselves um, than than anything else. So Ryan, Kevin Baumgart, um, we're actually going through Six Sigma Lean Six training, um, and actually a- Eric. Solomon's Are you doing it, or dad, is it just your, uh, I'm, your team? I'm 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 gonna let a couple people from our team do it. Okay. And actually, um, Eric Solomon's dad is highly trained in Lean Six, so he's actually going to coach what? us. I
0: didn't know it. that. Yeah,
1: we've, we've got to get him. All right, on we're going to have to get him on the pod
0: then. How? Like, well, <laughs> maybe we'll do it sooner or, or later once you guys. So he has some actionable things.
1: Yeah, Um, but uh, he's going to help us as like our, our mentor and coach through it. So you know, we're going to go through Lean training um, and take it through like one of the online courses and then have him as our mentor and coach through it. So
0: I don't know. We're trying. Uh, i be honest. We don't do any of that. Uh, I mean, we need to, to do more like sales training and team training and all this other stuff. I'm trying to get some of these systems into play first, but maybe, maybe you just start because they run parallel anyway, but all right, hold on. Let me switch gears a little bit. Uh, We had uh, a couple good questions that came in. Um, Dan T. I won't say the last name just to keep it sort of anonymous, but shouts out, Dan. Thank you so much for listening and for the questions. The question starts out with, and actually when I ask these questions, you're going to see that they kind of build up to, I think the end problem, but I'm going to start with the branches of the problem instead of going straight to the trunk. So the first question was, Hiring virtual assistants to generate leads, what are your thoughts or can it be done?
1: I think it should start with like, can you hire someone to generate leads, whether they're virtual or not? So I think there's kind of two questions, like can you hire someone to generate leads? Can they be virtual?
0: I wonder if this literally goes back to the thing we are just talking about too around process. Virtual assistants can be great if there's a process already in place for them to succeed. If there's no process yet, you're going to put somebody in that role. I mean, imagine hiring somebody as the first person to ever generate leads, even as a full-time employee, and you have no process yet and you haven't figured anything out. There's no training or any documentation. I mean, there's a greater chance that they're not going to work and that you're both going to be frustrated.
1: Yeah, I think I think maybe that question is aimed at virtual assistants, like the really you know inexpensive ones overseas. Um, where they can just, you know, like an SDR sales development representative, that is, that is a lead generator, right? Or not necessarily a lead generator, but they're the setup person, right? So at Printavo an SDR is setting up for the sales team, right?
0: Yeah. So we have a lot of our traffic is inbound driven now because of mm-hmm. all the content that we work on. Um, but we do have one person that's starting to do a little bit outbound, but it actually, it's a little bit more of leads that are semi-warm in that it's people that have reached out but didn't convert. And so that's where I want gotcha. them to focus because they have initiated it. And that's and that's actually maybe a place to start. Like, don't go full outbound cold because you're competing with everybody else. You know, start with people who have actually reached out, but you didn't convert them from a quote to an invoice. Um, so
1: maybe that maybe the activity is take all of your customers that you've worked with over the past five years and just start reactivating them to generate new leads from your existing customers you know whether it means getting them to order one more time a year or um, you know checking in with them. Mm-hmm. I think but you, you could whether you hire a virtual assistant or a, a in person, I think you said it best, Bruce, if it's not defined and you can't record an hour long video of yourself doing it, then no matter who you have in that role, it's going to crumble, you know? So yeah. yeah, I mean, the answer is always yes. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to know like how structured it is and defined and stuff like that. So when we, when we started working with Chelsea Brinkley um, and we would bring on VAs, she spent a lot of time on like the initial onboard. And making Mm -hmm. sure their roles and responsibilities were so outlined and there was a process with everything. And that was like her key to success. So, you know, yeah, everything's possible. I don't know.
0: So the second question then is, what are ways to find leads? Which it sounds like we were kind of already diving into. Uh, And, you know, I think this goes along with how do I just get more sales coming in? Um, When you first started, when you bought into Campus Inc., what was your thoughts around that, right? Because that was probably the most fresh. Like, you didn't have a base yet. You didn't have as, as many connections. You know, what, what were you hustling on?
1: Um, well, I started working where I was most comfortable, and that was with students. I was, you know, fifth year, like sort of finishing up my diploma, still on campus. And so immediately I started creating a network of students that I could work with because that was like in my backyard and that's what I was comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, the lesson there is do what feels right. If you're very involved in, you know, you have to be involved in something to generate leads, whether it's the chamber of commerce, whether it's your kids' sports teams, whether it's your church, like start with what feels good and feels right. And then it's going to feel natural. You know, I, I, I think, um, we, I remember, we put out a newspaper ad in like the Odyssey, which was like the newspaper that all the students like got or something, I don't know. And it said like, we're taking over and it had a big typo in it. And it was a picture of Brock, TJ, and Ed, like my first three guys that I started working with. And mm-hmm. that generated no leads.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh,
1: and, and that generated no leads, but person-to-person generated leads. You know, in, like you always say, throw the party. That generates leads. Um, so yeah, I think that's, mm. that's how I started. Um, but I think that's that's like good, feeling local, you know, I don't know.
0: That's a real spot on thing. I think a lot of the shops, even getting up to the shops that I see that have pushed for years and years and have gotten up to, you know, 5 million in sales are still very local probably 80% very local. And so that's a great point. Um, I think the niche and figuring out your niche, I mean, I remember, this is years ago now, but when we started, very small little manual shop, um, and I had the same exact question. Uh, I just did what I knew well, which was a lot of email marketing. And I was just printing postcards and and. Kind of littering them um, in the different like business buildings and places that I was at, but email marketing was. I, I remember every time we sent a blast out, uh, it's generated leads, and we had you know we'd send out, hey, new customers, five percent off to get started. We're you know student ran printing business. We'll get your your apparel done quickly, stuff like that. But wow. then the, there 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 is a question of well, hey, how do you get those emails to send? And that was from the people that I knew first. And then um, back then, people didn't BCC the their newsletters. They CC'd them all. So I'd copy those and. and uh, so you'd scrape? I, I mean, you know, I allegedly. I wouldn't. Uh, but Early days. I think the thing is, I, but like. It was that and then it was also follow up. So it was like when the first email would go out, it wouldn't work super well. And then you'd send another one to follow up. And then that one really collected more. And that really helped us get started. But yeah, I think I think you have a great th- point around the niche though. It's like where yeah. is your niche? Ours was the schools, like where is your community and your and your focus that you can dive in and be present because people and make it so that people like you and want to do business yeah. with you. I,
1: I think also, um, I think also email marketing is so underrated and people don't truly understand, you know, like how powerful it is. And I think that's a really, really, really important part of, of what we do is we do a significant amount of email marketing, but it's meaningful email marketing. It's storytelling, it's campaign driven, It's highlighting customers. All we want to do is be first and for like we want to be like, we don't want to be an afterthought of a customer. And so, you know, Bruce, you guys send out a significant amount of emails. How big is intercom for you guys when you're sending out newsletters and stuff?
0: I actually told Luke who runs this, I said, make the newsletter like a product in itself. I don't want a dump ground of like updates of everything we've posted this week and done make it like something I want to actually open and read, whether it's an update, whether it's a tip of, of something on how to improve, uh, whatever, but, but make it very genuine. And I said, also give it a voice. Don't give it like a corporate, you know, this is from Printabo. This is, this is Luke's the weekly, you know, this is your thoughts, your opinions and things are going out um, to humanize it more. And, And it
1: feels almost like he's writing it like a magazine.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think it works well. I there's always things to improve, but I think that's a big thing, and that'll that'll keep hooking in your leads. There's a next question too around this, uh, which I think you'll find interesting because you've seen both sides of the coin here. Is hiring commission only salespeople? So um, the reason why I like this question is because obviously you know you have your student model, which I believe is commission, but you also have full time people um, and team members there that also have a commission, I'm assuming as well. So what's your thoughts here? And I know Kevin Baumgart chatted about this as well.
1: Yeah. If, if if someone needs to make full-time livelihood and is their full-time job, uh, commission only does not work. I don't, I don't believe so. Um, you, you have to supply a base salary because there is, there's going to be parts of the role that are, you know, Less about just going and reaching out, and more about like, like being present. So, from a full time standpoint, uh, I have not. I have not personally seen that work. Um, all of our full time employees have a base salary plus a small commission, and I almost call that commission a bonus. Um, and so, it's it's not a huge number where you know it's like a crazy percentage of gross profit. It's just a small bump to incentivize them. Um, now our students, this isn't their full-time job. This is part-time livelihood. So they only make money when they sell, and in that case, it works. Um, but even then, you know, you have to spend way more time activating them, and you know, making it a and priority for them, sure. and all those kind sure. of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it's very hard to make that work. And you know, the example I give is like an Uber driver can play the video game called Uber to make money, right? But an Uber driver could technically go out and get his own taxi. They play the video game called Uber or DoorDash or Grubhub to make money because there's a really good platform there.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think to your point, it, it's literally, first of all, when you're hiring somebody on sales side, they're going to be wondering about their ramp-up period. And so, it takes time to be able to build commission. It could take three months to be like fully optimized, at least, and, and achieving their target earnings. And so, what, how, how are they gonna you know, focus on their, their job if they're not making any commission getting started out of the gate? And so, that's where I think the problem with commission only starts. Now, I'm sure there's plenty of edge cases, and I'm sure there's shops that have made it work. My opinion is that you get kind of what you pay for here. And so if you, you know, if you're looking for uh, a very low or zero base, you're, you're, you're kind of competing with bottom of the barrel because those better sales reps are going to be able to go elsewhere to find something else. And a better sales rep could be worth two to three times somebody average or below. Um, And that's really for any role, but, but it's it's specifically on the sales. So do you want to you know, train and and do all that. I, in my opinion, go in, you know, with a strong base, play, pay, uh, the commission on top, um, and go from there. So the next one is, um, actually, you know, it's kind of bugging me because I think people also have problems with figuring out what the commission to start off with. Do you think it's a good, just percentage of gross or percentage of net to start? Or what, what kind of structure would you say? Percentage of
1: gross is important. Um, we have like a cliff where if if the gross margin is below this number, they get a percentage. And if the gross margin is above this number, they get a different percentage. So that way they're very much incentivized to stay in a, in a target. And is this a mm-hmm. volume play or is this a retail play basically? Um, and so if the if they're selling less of an item, but the margin's super big, the commission's gonna be more, but it's more of a a smaller number. Whereas if they're selling 5,000 T-shirts, the the volume's gonna be super high, the margin's gonna be lower, their percentage is gonna be lower, but a smaller percentage of a big number is better than a bigger percentage of a small number. So that's, that's how the sales team is able to say, is this more wholesale B2B or more direct to consumer? And that way, they're kind of like two different ball games. It's like retail versus wholesale. So I'm not going to share those percentages with you, Bruce.
0: Can we, where can people start? Five percent, you think? Um, so like like if it was the on, first sales rep.
1: Five percent on gross margin isn't crazy. I mean, that's that's kind of like two and a half percent on 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 the top. Um, okay. That's not that's pretty good. Um, I say that their commission for us shouldn't like it should be like a a 15 to 20% bonus on their base salary that's kind of mm-hmm. how i look at it um Solid. so you know if if someone's making 50 grand and they can net out at 65 75 after commission for us that would be awesome you know um and that's because we're dealing with inbound and outbound and not everyone's generating their own leads and you know we don't i the one thing i don't do is like I'm not very picky. I'm here to close orders and close jobs. So it doesn't bother me as much if I hand someone a lead and pay them commission on it because they are still closing it. So, yeah.
0: So I think this this final question comes down to the trunk of the issue. Um, and that's, how do I keep my current clients? We lose a lot each year.
1: Um, I mean, this is for respond, every business, really. Man, whew. Respond to emails faster. (laughs) Or respond to everything faster, maybe. Respond to everything faster. You know, like... No, go ahead. ahead. (laughs) Like, this is customer success. You know, this is where we respond to emails in seconds. And after a job's done, they get, you know, a, a tchotchke or something. Like, this is success. Customer success and customer retention are the same thing. Um... And if you're so email driven, you don't have personal relationships with your clients, they don't feel in debt to you for helping them, they won't come back. Or if you have a really bad product and really bad customer service, and that's on you to, to make that better. You know. But if your product and your product's good and your customer service is good, you should be able to retain them. Um, you know, those are shoppers versus clients, right? I don't know. Does that make sense?
0: yeah you know there's uh we talk a lot about a wow experience, which is anytime that you go and experience a service or a product and you feel like whoa that that was really cool or that was that was that was nice or that person treated me really well and you remember it and that those wow experiences you remember and it doesn't have to be expensive like uh in that shop tour the print and thread shop tour and Chris can drop a link down below for it uh, Brett, the owner added little, uh, like toys or, or, you know, things uh, like a beach volleyball thing that you could blow up in boxes or it just made it like a special experience. But I think there's also free ways to do it. To your point, responding back to emails super quick, picking up the phone, um, responding back to any, like anything speed related always adds free value from you that they perceive as more expensive because the bar is just so low from a customer service perspective. It, but.
1: It, and like gratitude from like the owners and gratitude. Like if I see a big order come through, I'm reaching out to that person and I'm just saying, thanks, I really appreciate you. That's it. You know, we're starting to work with all of these athletes across the country and our sales team, you know, they don't want to bother me when they're like, oh, we got a new athlete. And I'm like, no, no throw me in the text thread so I can just like give them a thumbs up so they know that like you're part of the family now. I appreciate you. I'm, I'm here, I'm present, you know? Uh, And I think that's something an owner can just do is like say thanks a little bit more to your clients. Um, I mean, Bruce, you're on the ground floor talking to clients all the time. That's probably why people enjoy working with Printavo.
0: (laughs) I should um, say thanks. That's actually really good. Uh, Have you been watching Gary Vee? No. <laughs> Farrick doesn't like KB. But the I uh, I gratitude... I just, I've never
1: gotten hooked on him.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, the gratitude aspect's huge. But that's interesting. I'd also... You know, there's a comment of we lose a lot each year. It'd be interesting to know how much, like as a dollar or a number, because then you can actually use that to improve versus just feeling like you lose a lot. Uh, and, and that'll that's uh, something to rally, whether it's one person, three people, five people to rally around as, hey, guys... For the next six months, we're totally focusing on on retention um, and getting return clientele. And that helps dial everybody in, is to have like a single KPI to drive forward to. Okay. It was a pretty good episode. Thanks, Dan, for the questions. Makes it fun. Those are good. Those are good. Feel free to write in if you've got any more questions. uh, Info at Printavo or Podcast at Printavo or Bruce at Printavo or Facebook Messenger or Are you ever going to change your middle name? (laughs) No. Changing names just seems like a lot. My wife hasn't changed her last name. I don't think she ever will. It just seems like, I mean, can you imagine everything that has your name on it? Like all the credit cards and statements and, you know, IDs. and. But Facebook will let you. (laughs) For another (laughs) day changing your name. Yeah, I've got so many other topics I want to talk about, but we're going to wrap this one up. We'll save it for next one. I got to catch up on your name image likeness store. It was uh, you got picked up on Twitter by some some heavy folks of uh, the first pop up experience for college athletes, which I think is freaking crazy. I mean, just to be named that is really cool. But yeah, we'll we'll cover this in the next one. All right. Thanks so much for listening to Printavo Princess Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye, guys.